Kia ora, I'm Karen O'Leary and this is Full Disclosure. We're going to talk to politicians, builders, actors, writers and media personalities to find out how coming out was for them. This podcast is bursting with pride to be supporting Rainbow Youth. Joining me in the Full Disclosure studio is poet, short story writer and editor Chris Teese. currently holds the coveted and very prestigious position of being New Zealand's 13th Poet Laureate. I think I probably would have been about like 10. You know, me realising, oh, this is not what other boys do. And definitely heading into high school when, you know, you start to hear about terms like gay, lesbian, I started to realise, oh, I think that's what I am. But it was still very much, well, maybe I, I won't be that when I grow up. Maybe this is just now. Seeing as you are a poet, I thought maybe we could start with a bit of poetry. Um, and I've actually written a poem, and I just thought maybe uh, you could give me some tips, some pointers. A, a critique, a live critique. <laughs> yeah, and um, obviously I am friends with you, so I'm expecting it to be, you know, just positive feedback. Okay. No, you can say whatever you'd like, but it's this. Coming out to whanau and friends, will there be openings or just sad dead ends? The closet I'm in is just so claustrophobic. Where is the value in being homophobic? I pry open the door of this box that I'm in. I step out with pride, but oh, what a din. Attitudes and insults, all based in fear. I just wanted to let you all know that I'm queer. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not usually a rhyming poet. <laughs> I know, I, I didn't know that, but... and I thought to just make one that didn't rhyme. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know, people would connect with that. And that's the thing about poetry. Like, it doesn't have to be fancy and, you know. So you're saying it wasn't fancy? Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I just felt to that No, I, you know, there's something really down-to-earth and honest about what you just read. And Thank you. And it doesn't have to be the scary thing that people only confront at a funeral or in a school exam. Writing poetry is how I figure out my place in the world and who I am and my opinion on something. And speaking of your place in the world and some aspects of that, obviously we're here to talk about your sexuality. So how um, would you identify in terms of your sexuality? Yeah, I identify as a, as a gay man and I'm also a Chinese New Zealander. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, I guess, tension for me has been figuring out how to reconcile and um, live with both of those parts of my mm. identity. Where do you think the troubles reconciling those things have come from? For me, it was a lot of the Chinese cultural expectations of, you know, what a good son should be. And thinking about this ahead of, um, you know, our conversation, now my parents didn't have gay friends and to my knowledge didn't have friends who had gay children. So their exposure to gay people and, you know, gay lifestyles Mm -hmm. was pretty much non-existent. You know, I can think of one gay adult who was sort of part of my parents' extended network. Um, Reflecting on that made me understand a bit more about where they were coming from when I came out and why it was such a shock to them and, Mm -hmm. and why it took them a long time to process and come to terms with it. There hasn't been a lot of visibility of queer Chinese people in the media, on you know, on TV shows and movies, at least not in the mainstream. Mm. So yeah, my parents' generation were probably of that generation that didn't really have that exposure and didn't really understand it. So that sort of became a bit of an obstacle when it came to trying to explain to them, you know, why yeah. I was yeah. coming out. Even the generation of my parents didn't have that the same awareness or the visibility or those those or didn't understand it as much as well. But then if you add that cultural layer to it, I guess that's sort of a a double whammy almost. One of the first things my mum said to me was, what are other people going to think? Mm. And that's a very Chinese sort of 
frame of mind, you know, the, the whole saving face and, you know, your standing in the community, you know, in a way it's almost like bringing shame to the family. Were they born in New Zealand or did they come over? Mum was born in New Zealand and my grandfather, my Gong Gong, her dad, grew up in New Zealand. So, you know, I consider myself a third generation Chinese New Zealander. My mum met my dad in Hong Kong and he came back to New Zealand with her. I had this great upbringing where I was uh, raised in both English and Cantonese because my dad came from Hong Kong and he wanted to instill in my brother and I those Chinese values mm. that he had grown up with. You know, my mum being a New Zealand-born Chinese person had a slightly different way of looking at the world, you know, was also very keen to make sure that my brother and I knew, you know, our heritage. What kind of a child were you? I was definitely a very arty, creative kid. And I think my parents were a bit bemused by it because I don't necessarily come from a creative family. Mm. Like my parents were very much of the um, generation that wanted their children to succeed and yep. to be able to, you know, buy a house and, and, and live comfortably. So I think going off to university to study film <laughs> and English literature and creative writing was not what they yeah. envisaged for me. They'd be lots of parents who would be like, well, what are you going to do as a job? Now look at you. Well, yeah. And, and now they sort of see that I've attained peak success as a poet, you know, becoming the Poet Laureate. A really big deal for anyone who is in that, in that, yeah. in that world. And, but for them, they, you know, when I told them about it, they, it was crickets. They didn't know what it actually meant. And they were actually more excited about me being on breakfast TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's also exciting it's and also prestigious. Exciting. In terms of your sexuality, when did you start to potentially think... Hmm, maybe I'm gay. I think I knew from a young age, mm -hmm. but I probably didn't know what the word gay was. I just knew that there was something different yep. about me. And I remember going to this gift shop that was at Queensgate Mall. And, you know, it was the sort of place that sold novelty gifts and things like that. And they had like this massive greeting card display rack. And, you know, some of them were like pictures of men completely naked, like full frontal and everything. <laughs> And, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember like as a kid looking for these cards mm, yeah. and sort of saying to my friends, oh, I'm just going to see which ones have men wearing condoms. That was my excuse for, yeah, yeah, for wanting yeah, to yeah, look yeah, at these yeah, cards. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know what a condom was. Yeah, yeah. Of course, none of these men would have been wearing condoms <laughs> no, on a greeting card. Yeah. would have been a very weird greeting card. Um, and, I, you know, that is something that sticks in my mind from that period of my childhood. How old would you have been then? I think I probably would have been about like 10. And that sort of is, is an example of like, you know, me realising, oh, this is not what other boys do. And, you know, definitely heading into high school when, you know, you start to hear about terms like gay, lesbian, mm. I started to realise, oh, I think that's what I am. But it was still very much, or well, maybe I, I won't be that when I grow up. Maybe this is just now. It's interesting how many of the people that, he, that I've spoken to, you know, throughout their high school years have been like, ah, oh, maybe, but maybe not, or not quite willing to, you know, or ready to fully accept that part of themselves yet until, you know, and I think like even I was talking about, for me personally, I started off saying, oh, well, I've, maybe I don't really mind which gender it is, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just open, yeah. it's just personalities, knowing yeah. within myself, actually, in hindsight, it does matter to me. Yeah. And I don't think I had that sort of cultural pressure at that time either. Mm, so it right. wasn't like there was my parents sort of reinforcing a heteronormative sort of lifestyle or expectation. Because like, because we, as I said before, you know, they didn't know gay people. We never yeah. talked about it at home. It wasn't yeah. like something that I heard them talking about so-and-so and, and, you know, their same-sex partner. Yeah. So the concept of queerness was 
very absent from our house except for the stuff that I then started to seek out for myself privately to try and figure out, okay, what's going on? Why does this interest me? Why does this excite me? Did you know any other people at high school that were gay? Funnily enough, there were a few people, but again, you know, no one was out. It wasn't until after we all left that that we were that we all came out, we were more open about it. And so tell us about that, when you when you did decide to come out, how was that for you and what did it involve? I know I came out in my late 20s and you know, I had been um, hooking up with guys for a lot longer than that, yeah. like, you know, and I think the struggle for me was like, how can I live this part of my life more publicly? Because I was very scared about what my parents were going to think, how they might respond, what that might mean for our relationship. Family for me is very, very important. Yeah. And I didn't want to lose that. And, you know, my a lot of my friends knew. I told yeah. them, you know, I'm gay. And, and, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, cool. We support you. We yeah. love you. Yeah. But it was always that thing about, yeah, what are my parents going to think mm. and how are they going to respond? That did sort of weigh quite heavily on my mind. And it wasn't until I started to make gay friends that I started to think, ah, seeing them in happy relationships and living their lives out and proudly gave me a glimpse into what could be my yeah. future. And I went to Mardi Gras in Sydney with two of my new gay friends. And, you know, that was the first time I was out in public, surrounded by gay people and able to sort of express that part of myself yeah. without fear of someone spying yeah. me, you know, yeah. someone yeah. who knew my, might know my parents or someone who might know another family member and it would get back to my parents. Yeah. So you don't think any of your parents' friends were at Mardi Gras? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was a very emotional weekend mm. because it was yeah. also, it was so freeing and so exciting, but it also made me a little bit sad and miserable because I knew I was going to be going home mm. to Wellington where I yeah. couldn't do that. Yeah. And and that that was that, but that was what kickstarted, I guess the 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 thinking behind. All right, I want to come out, but how am I going to do this? And I, I wish I could say that it was, you know, a really well thought out thing. <laughs> but the truth is, you seem I, like quite a deep thinker, Chris. So well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I wanted to plan it. I wanted to make sure that I had like some sort of sequencing. Like maybe I'll tell yeah. a couple of aunties first, and then I'll tell mum yeah, and dad, yeah. you know, either together or separately. Yeah. But what happened was I got drunk one night and I went home and I just told them, like, while I was crying drunk. Um, they went to bed and the next morning I didn't see them and I sort of messaged my friends and said, oh, I came up to my parents last night and they're like, all right, come into town and we'll, we'll have yeah. a chat about it and we'll see how, you, how you're doing. And you know, I had a really good catch up with my friends and we talked about, like, how they responded. And the next few days were really tough. My parents didn't understand why I would want to come out and why I would want people to know about this part of my life. My dad didn't even really understand what gay meant. But luckily, you know, I had a lot of people in my corner, like my brother had some really good chats with them and my aunties as well, who I had told. So for your aunties, they understood? Yeah, they didn't think it was a big deal. However, one auntie did say to me afterwards, you know, know, I have no problem with it, but, you know, if it were one of my children, I would have to stop and think about, well, actually, how do I feel about this? Because I think it is different when it is yeah. your own child. So that was that was interesting. And it, But, you know, even still, my because my aunties are of, you know, the same generation as my mum mm. and, and my dad, um, again, they, they, they weren't completely 
immersed in, in that world and didn't, didn't know about what goes on. What does a same-sex relationship look like and, and how is that any different from a heterosexual relationship? So I've had some really interesting conversations with, with one of my aunties. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just ask you a bit of why, why, why it was so interesting? She says, I understand it on a very basic level, but like there are things that to her were still quite surprising about it. And I think a lot of people in our position have sort of dealt with it. Not only is it like a, hey, this is who I am, moment it's a okay now we've got to educate you and explain to you you know my parents you know as i've said you know they didn't have any gay friends and didn't really know much about it they did have these stereotypes in their in their brain you know about what being gay is and my mum was worried that i would be lonely and that i wouldn't be happy and i had to explain to her if i don't do this and if i if i hadn't done this i would be lonely yeah i would not be happy and she sees me now in my relationship with my partner. You know, I think she gets it. And she knows that it's it's no different from, you know, what my brother has with his wife. I mean, a bit different. There's but you a know few different I mean, right? aspects, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So it has been a, you know, step-by-step journey with them. Yeah. And I just had to remind myself as well, like, you know, I've had years and years and years to process and deal with this, think about this. You can't then expect your parents or your friends to just, like, instantly yeah i think that is that's a really valid point because you know we have processed these thoughts and feelings and worked out what it means for yeah generally speaking for years so then to then say hey parents the people that i'm really the closest to ever here here's the story you don't really necessarily really understand it but can you accept it straight away please and nothing changes one of my uncles said to me i would never have guessed that i had no idea and I'd look back on it and i think, really? <laughs> like, I was just going to say, do you think lots of people were surprised? A lot of my family were surprised. Yeah. And, I, and that was like a, a bit of a strange thing for me. Maybe I am more straight acting than I <laughs> thought I was. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I... I am, am I allowed to comment on that? <laughs> maybe not how now. Gay maybe, act, gay, maybe how gay acting now. I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not now that I am out. But oh, no, yeah. yeah um, but I guess, I guess that comes back to like, I, I may probably was overcompensating to protect that part of myself in front yes. of my family, even though I wanted them to know so badly, right? I think, you know, if I had done it again, I probably would have like dropped more hints to just... Yeah, <laughs> like the breadcrumb trail. When my when I did come out, my mum said to me, "Oh yeah, I guess you do have a lot of gay friends." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah, having gay friends doesn't make you gay. <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, it is a nice yeah, it's a know, nice supportive, um, supportive group to group. be part yeah. of. Yeah, here's a question that I've just thought of. Do you think it's there's a difference between coming out as a gay man in New Zealand and coming out as a gay woman in New Zealand? That is a very good question, and I I don't think I can answer that because I I you do, well I, I that's the thing. Neither yeah. can I because I can only know what it's like. I can hazard a guess though. Yeah. I've always thought. Well, in my mind, I've always felt it might be slightly harder or more difficult for men to come out because of the, you know, I guess the stereotype that exists around Kiwi blokes. And yeah, I think maybe potentially it's easier for for women, and it wouldn't be the case for all women, of course. No, absolutely yeah. not. But I think historically, also, you know, because of the criminalization yeah. of homosexuality and how that was very much focused on gay men because it was the sodomy sort of aspect of it, right? Well, so that was just because lesbians didn't even exist. Well, <laughs> no, no, they were definitely there because they helped lead the charge. But yeah. um, more focus was placed on, yeah. on gay men and how that was wrong. It made it harder. Were there any sort of friends or colleagues that, that found it difficult to take? Not that I know of and no one ever said anything to my face. And <laughs> I think that, that highlighted the difference between my parents' experience with queerness and exposure to it, you know, compared to 
my friends and, and colleagues who, you know, knew gay people. We definitely had gay people working at the first job I had outside of university. Yeah. So it wasn't a big deal. You know, yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> yeah, another aspect to their personality yeah. or their being. Um, you mentioned before the lack of visibility for you as a Chinese New Zealander and, and a gay Chinese New Zealander in things like the media and on television. Can you think of any male Asian queer characters in anything? There were definitely gay Asian characters in some American sitcoms. Right. But they did reinforce stereotypes. You know, they mm. were very effeminate. They were the sassy, gay sidekick sort of character. And I think that's probably what played into my fear as well. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to become like that you yeah. know, if I come out. Or that is my future. Start being really bitchy and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's such a slow process, and I've been thinking about it a lot, especially in terms of like New Zealand literature and visibility yeah. of particular minorities in, 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 in who's being published, who's being given a platform. And, you know, it is changing. I definitely feel like there's, there's a slow uprising of these great queer Asian writers. He So Mask was my second book, and that was like my, my coming out book. A bit of a revelation for myself mm. during the writing process because I thought it was just going to be a book about music and memory. Because of everything that was going on in my life with sort of coming out, that's what started coming out in the poetry. Mm. And I thought, okay, let's just do this. Let's go there with this. And, you know, after coming out, it was almost like a release. And I didn't have to hide that part of myself in my own poetry as well. Like before I'd written about being gay, but I would really layer on the imagery and metaphor and yeah. try to hide yeah. what it was really about but once I'd come out it made it so much easier to to write about that part of myself without feeling like I was going to be attacked or mm. giving away too much of myself yeah and so the, and there hasn't been any negative response to any of your books as a result of the fact that they are about gayness no no not at all and I was really worried about Hiso Mask being out in the world putting it together and going through the editing process was tough from mm. a personal perspective I was constantly asking myself do I do I want this out there yeah. do I want people to read about how I lost my virginity about you know this heartbreak with this guy and I freaked out on the day of the book launch like I thought what have I done but you know, it's fine and it's, it's out there now and people have said some really lovely things about how much it's meant to them, what they relate to. And I think as a poet, that's what I live for. Power lies in what you do. Yeah. And like you say, the messages that you can get across and, and it, again, it is, it's about that visibility too, isn't it? Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you ever been just randomly hassled, like in the street, for being gay? Not for being gay, but for being Asian. Oh. Yeah. I mean, touch wood. I'm actually quite lucky that I haven't been abused for being gay. And I think it's because when people see me, they see Asian first. That's the thing that they're going to notice. And, you know, if they're that sort of person, make fun of first. Wow. Yeah. I do love a good sequin suit. And I do wear some ridiculous things sometimes when I perform. You've got very good fashion. I like to play (laughs) up that aspect of my identity. But that has never resulted in taunts or or slurs or anything in public when I'm I'm dressed like that. If you could give young gay Chris a piece of advice, what would it be? I don't know what I would say to my younger self other than maybe don't worry. Don't let this eat away at you. Just take your time. And I did take my time, except for the last bit, where I got drunk and told my parents that I was gay. But I was so worried about how it was going to affect my relationships with my parents, how it was going to affect my friendships, whether I would be lonely my whole life. And those are definitely genuine concerns. But yeah, I wish I hadn't worried so much about it. And it might be because I'm also of a slightly different generation to the the younger queens that are coming through these days. It's a a very different world for them. There is so much more visibility. Absolutely. I am always surprised and happy that, you know, people can come out in high school now. There's a a lot of other shit that they have to deal with. You know, all of this transphobia now that is happening is just a whole other layer of this this awful, awful world that we have to deal Mm. with. I do wonder, you know, would it be different if I was growing up now? Mm-mm. And it probably would be. Again, you know, you'd be dealing with other stuff as well. Absolutely. Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Insightful, informative, fun, just really great. So I really thank you for your time. You're doing amazing work with your poetry. Keep it up. Keep that visibility going. You know, take all, take everyone's dark glasses off and um, we can make the world a better place. Thank you. I will do my best. Okay, super. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. This was Full Disclosure. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is created by Kate Langdon and produced by Kate Langdon and Mark E. Hire, with audio mixed by Jess Valor and original music by Eilish Wilson. you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, 
abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.